The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook Podcast for the month of September is Zero Mile Mark. Zero Mile Mark is a veteran-owned company that strives to offer high-quality, active, outdoor sports gear. They are on mission to get people outdoors by offering an array of products like tents, backpacks, hammocks, sleeping bags, lighting, and more. All sales have a 30-day warranty and ship via two-day shipping to 97% of the United States. And get this deal. For a limited time only, listeners can head over to ZeroMileMark.com and take advantage of their free tent promotion. Yes, you heard that right. If you'll get online, add any item into the shopping cart that exceeds $30, a tent will appear automatically for $0. It's a free tent, easy checkout, and fast shipping. And guys, I have this tent. I also have a backpack from there and can testify it's great quality. It's a real deal. And Brian, the owner, is a really cool guy. I want you guys to get some stuff, get some products, get this free tent, and get outdoors. Enjoy your life. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm excited to have with me my good buddy Mark Goldman from, well, I'll let you tell where you're from here in a second. But Mark, you doing good today? Doing great. Good. Well, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're just going to have a conversation about life ministry. Uh, I'm going to make an announcement about him and about the Shepherd's Crook here in just a second. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the, the fun that Mark and I have had to, got to already have this morning and just enjoying creation and talking about life ministry, encouraging one another. And I just ask that you lead this discussion, and I'm thankful for all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for our families, and it's just a fun season of life for me, and just talking with Mark, it's just for him as well. We just ask that you would lead this time, this discussion. I trust you will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Happy to announce that the Shepherd's Crook is officially a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and so if you want to give, you can give, and it's tax exemption. As you give, it's a, just like giving to a church or giving to any nonprofit organization. But to do that, I had to have a board. And I'm very happy to announce that the board members are one of my pastors at Christ Church Carbondale, Andy Claude, my good buddy Joey Hawkins down in Anna, Illinois, who is a pastor of First Christian Church in Anna, and then my good friend Mark right here, Mark Goldman. So Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you pastor, tell us about your family, uh, bring us up to speed on who you are. Uh, I'm a pastor. I pastor First Baptist Church in Heron, uh, which is another little town here in southern Illinois. Um, married to my wife, Valerie, and we have four kids um, from freshman high school all the way down to second grade. And um, Anyway, we're doing great. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, their kids are a little bit different season of life than our kids are in. And so they're kind of a little bit, not kind of, they are ahead of us a little yeah. bit. So it's been nice to pick your brain and yep. hear how parenting life is for older kids. Learn by my mistakes. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. That's right. But one of the things we're both discovering, though, is parenting is incredibly easy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why everybody complains about it. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> All right, so Mark and I have this thing we've been doing for the last few months, been, been uh, spending some time doing some kayaking, and it's been really life-giving for me but it's important I think for pastors to be able to get out and just do stuff do stuff together to hang out to experience um, 
just physical exercise and it's easy for pastors just to be docile and stay in an office and mm-hmm. uh, so why why is outdoor activity why is staying physically fit and for for you and your life because you, it's not like pastoring is a physically demanding job right so why why do you want to do stuff like that goodness I don't know exactly why I know you know uh, we were able to go through the shepherd's crook uh, you you led me and my associate pastor through it and we had the opportunity to go to Giant City. Mm-hmm. We took a hike. Yep. And uh, for me, it was just like, man, this is where my brain works the best. You know, outside, moving. Uh, I think there is a big connection between the way you treat your body and the way your mind works. So uh, for me, personally, it's just, I just like the thrill of it. I like yeah. the outdoors. I know that that's not the case for everybody, but... I'm I'm a big believer in how how you take care of your body is going to impact how well you take care of your soul. Yeah, that's good. Now, why? Because I've been learning from you, and hopefully you've been learning from me. And as you went through some of the Shepherd's Crook stuff, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to provide pastors at least to get them thinking and, and not just staying stagnant. But why is it important for coaching and and getting help in pastoral ministry and not just doing the same old thing the way we can do the same old thing for the rest of our lives, but why is it important to, to look at the scriptures, ask questions about pastoral ministry, and then try to, you know, move forward and get better and grow? Why is, why is that important? Well, yeah, that is important. You know, I think you see that in, in the Bible a lot. Paul and Timothy, with Timothy and Titus, you know, Paul is is coaching them in a sense that we would use, and he's he's really calling them out. You know, he, he, called, he calls Timothy out on being, a, on being timid, and you know, I don't know if that's the way it is in, in everybody, but with my experience in pastoring is you oftentimes would get together with other pastors and you might share some of the gripes and complaints of things that you're going through or maybe difficult people or situations that you're having to face, but you don't always have somebody who is calling you out on when you're at fault or maybe you have done something to contribute to this awful situation that you find yourself in now. It's usually just kind of a pat on the back and, yeah, that really stinks, man. So, <laughs> feels, you know, man, we're, and then we kind of feel better because we've kind of like consoled each other. But it hasn't really coached us to get through it or to become stronger pastors and able to face those kind of situations. So... Coaching is great. Coaching is an understanding at the beginning. It's kind of like, hey, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about what's going on, and I'm, I'm gonna kind of like call you out when I think you're at fault and mm. give you challenges. That, you know, uh, if I say this is what you should do, and we agree on that, then next month when we get together, I'm gonna say, did you do it? And if you didn't, well, then, you know, I'm gonna hold you accountable. Yeah, that really works better. I, it's a better, better scheme. Yeah. better, better way to do it. Well, it's been neat just for me as I'm working, as I was working with you and Courtney, Courtney, the man. Uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, it was really good because I was learning, and I am learning from you guys and from you, and it's been a really neat experience for me to begin to work with churches and pastors because I've I've come to know to a greater degree some of the things that I don't know, and that's a healthy and a good thing. And so as I'm trying to help others, it's been really great because I've been reaping benefits of just being helped myself. One of the things that you're doing that 
I'm, I'm kind of looking at from a distance and, uh, and wanting to copy you a little bit is something that just started and it has to do with art. So both of us love the art of manliness. And, yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. but you've been reading art, I think like longer than I have, at least 10 yeah. years. I, like I found it back in like 2010 or something like that. Okay. So still when it was new or it was still pretty new. Yeah. yeah. So I stumbled upon art of manliness probably like 2011 or 12. So kind of, you know, a good while ago as well. But they have this thing called the strenuous life, and I, you got me thinking because you you threw out you know what would it look like for pastors to do something like this. But yeah, initially we were talking about discipleship. Yeah, and we were talking about what things can you actually do with young men to try to encourage them to push themselves further. And somehow we got talk, talking about the strenuous life. Yeah, and how how could maybe the shepherd's crook kind of implement something similar? Mm-hmm. So uh, I said, well, I'm going to sign up. So I did. Yeah, you got his tiny little shorts too. I got yeah, got yeah. little shorts <laughs> and a t-shirt. So I'm 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 a badge badge wearing uh, strenuous life guy now. So now, okay, you just started it. So you may not be able to answer this completely, but how do you think that's going to translate doing the strenuous life? And if you don't know what the strenuous life is, you can get on Art of Manliness and kind of Google it. But it's in a lot of ways, it's like a it's kind of like Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts for men. Yeah. And it challenges you to kind of become a renaissance man, to become well-rounded in a lot of areas of life. But as you're thinking about that, in what ways do you think that will help you be a better man, father, you know, husband, pastor? Yeah, the challenges. So the challenges are just get you out of your comfort zone, try something new, experience something new. Uh, Like one of the ones I'm working on right now is the lumberjack badge. Well, I already know how to operate a chainsaw, but just some different things, you know. And uh, But another one I'm working on is called salesmanship, which I don't have any background in sales. And um, so I'm learning. I'm learning a lot about that. And um, my personality was always, even when I was even when I was just kind of starting out in ministry, I just wanted to try new things just because I knew it would just give me new opportunities to meet somebody new. You know, I can remember joining on to the fire department to be the chaplain and I had no interest in doing the fireman training or really anything but it just it introduced me to a whole new group of guys Mm. and for me it was just kind of like that's great I want to be able to do that Um, you know as a pastor I needed to be able to relate to all kinds of different people well when you first start to talk to people especially guys, they're not really interested in talking to you about the Bible right away. Mm -hmm. What they are interested in talking to you about is their hobbies. And that realization hit me once when I was uh, home from Bible college and some guys were talking about, first they were talking about high school football and then they were talking about crops because it was in the fall and they were talking about running the combine. And I remember I had nothing I could say to them because they weren't reading theology. And I wanted to be able to talk to somebody so whether it's hunting or automotive or uh, hiking or uh, just whatever they were I need I wanted to have at least a little bit of knowledge in order to be able to relate um, in order to to be able to at least have a relationship with them in such a way that I it could become more mm-hmm. and talk about something that I felt was really important like the gospel yeah. or their or their personal faith or something like that and um, so the strenuous life was just right down my alley to stretch me in all these different a- 
uh, avenues, well, there are a lot of people who I know who are in sales. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything to talk to them about, but I'm hoping by learning Mm -hmm. some things about sales that, well, there you go. I got a little bit of a, a, a lead into their world. Yeah. And I think that really it really helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, pastors, I don't know. You know, I, I know how easy it is in anybody's job, any anybody's career, to just kind of set right there in that and go on cruise control. Yeah. And I think we've seen that. I think mm-hmm. we've seen that in other pastors' life. Mm-hmm. You know, where you know they don't. You don't have to be real physical. Yeah. And I think we've seen pa- pastors kind of fail at that. Mm-hmm. They become pretty, uh, well, self-indulgent mm-hmm. as far as not not pushing themselves physically, and and uh, just I don't know. It just, I just always seems takes away a little bit of um, your validity as a speaker. Yeah, I don't know if it makes you think that. Yeah, no, you know, I, I get what you're saying, and I think one of the things that I've I've appreciated about um, the strenuous life and what you're pursuing now is the the idea of challenge as well, of of wanting to be challenged, wanting to grow, wanting to try something new and grow in areas that we aren't currently, you know, either gifted at or good at. And it may be areas that that don't stick for the rest of our lives or that we don't stick with for the rest of our lives, but at least we're challenging ourselves. And one of the reasons that I wanted to do an intensive, an event, for the Shepherd's Crook is I wanted to get people outside of, you know, use the word comfort zone. And that's a really, you know, it's a popular phrase, but it's a helpful phrase to, to help people understand you can, you can always stay, you know, in the parameters of things that you really know that are, are really easy. One of the things that pastors can get into is a routine of going to conferences every year, the same conference or a different conference and conferences are not bad. I mean, I, I enjoy conferences. Yeah. I mean, right? You probably enjoy conferences as well. I don't enjoy them as much as I used to. Yeah. Same. Now I would rather go to something like the uh, intensive. Yeah. Well, that's the idea. Is uh, you know, conference is going to be great, but one of the things I wanted to build into this is is challenge and the the intensive this year, and the registration is open. And, and one of the things I wanted to announce today is that registration is open. You can find it at shepherdscrook.co backslash intensive. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but. We're going to spend two days on the river and kayak, I mean, canoeing about 50 miles in May of 2020. And in the context of that, we're going to be talking about what manly pastoring looks like. What does it look, look like to be a pastor who embraces uh, the gender in which God has given us, being a man, and pastoring in that way? What does the Bible have to say about that? But one of the reasons I wanted to do that is to just to challenge us and invite guys in to be challenged. We're going to be sleeping on the side of the river, which will be really mm-hmm. cool. Hopefully there's yeah. not a flash flood. But if there is a flash flood, we'll get a story to tell. Absolutely. You know, so that may not be a bad thing. Um, but uh, so if you if you want to, if you're interested in that at all, and just stepping out of, outside of what you normally do as a pastor, even if you're considering pastoring, consider coming to the intensive. I think it'll be really great. You can you can do some cliff jumping, which is always fun. But in the context of community, a community of guys that are wanting to to grow an understanding of what pastoral ministry is and to be better men, then come be a part of it. Yeah, and I, I'll throw in here too the difference between going to a conference and going to an, something like an intensive. So I've done both. Um, is you know you go to a conference and you, you'll hear the some of the best speakers or best thinkers in your in your part of the world uh, things you're interested in, and you may leave and be like that was amazing. It's and you may be in awe of the fact that God could create and raise up such a guy who has so much character and 
is also such a powerful speaker that it just it just just jolts you to your core and you'll come back and and you're that that's good but um but the thing about an intensive of, of like a retreat is you get away and you're only with a couple of guys mm-hmm. and you've all done homework to prepare for it like read a book and then you get there and you'll you may end up debating it mm-hmm. I've, I've gone to on retreats where we we've gotten really into a debate mm-hmm. and you may stay up late at night and then you you have things like you know say a flash flood or something yeah. like that or jump off a cliff you know you push yourself to the limit and you did it together with another group and then you're like you come home and you're like that was just it was amazing, and it may not yeah. be the theological. It may not be you were amazed by the character of another person, but you—it uh, was like iron sharpens iron, man. Yeah. You really, you really. Uh, so, I in in my life, I've kind of went from being a conference type guy to being more of a intensive yeah. retreat type guy. Well, and I think it's something about shared experiences as well. You know, you hear stories about guys who have fought in the trenches together in war, or buddies from college. I mean, it's buddies from college or high school you know, buddies, when you have a lot of shared experiences with people, that has a unique way of, you know, bringing bonds and just creating memories that are really cherished. And I think, you know, again, not not to, to dog conferences or even normal life as a Christian man and uh, in pastoral ministry, but if you can get get away and create some memories that are shared with a community of people, a community, a community of men, it can be really special, you know, really, yeah. really powerful. Especially if you go with a group of guys who are... Almost, I hate to say it's something like they're like they're like better men than you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not not like you know, you go hang out with your buddies and you all have flaws and you kind of sit in your flaws, but uh, you know, kind of making friends with people who want the best for you and who are who you you kind of got it you kind of got stretch above yourself in order to just fit in. That's that's really powerful, you know. If if you're gonna if you're gonna go on a retreat and everybody's gonna read a book and then you've did like you might have done in high school and looked at the cover and and cheated and read tried to read the cliff notes and these guys are ready to really debate it, you're either gonna have to fake it or you had better next year read the book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know that that's to me that uh, that that that's just part of pastoral ministry I, I have I have really grown from is being in relationships with other guys from the ministry who um, who are well personally I think are, are better they're better pastors than I am um, and so I, I kind of try to gravitate towards guys like that that's cool okay let's let's gear shift a little bit and I want to ask you some questions and I ask almost everybody that interview about ministry and I've got four questions here and I'll just bust through them and then I'll, I'll we'll go through them one by one so number one is tell us tell us about your calling about internal external call number two ministry history I'd love to hear kind of the trajectory for you because a lot of young guys have they're just starting out in this and they, they I, I mean I enjoy anyways hearing people's ministry trajectory and, and where how many stops they had and how did they know and when God was calling them to go to a new place did they stay one place for a long time or did they hop into youth ministry and then to just what their ministry history was. And then I want to know the hardest season of ministry for you. And then the final one, uh, and I may have, after we work through these, may have another one for you, but what would you tell yourself if you could go back to the most difficult season of ministry for you? What would you tell yourself in the midst of that difficult season? So let's go through this. Would you tell us about your internal and external call into ministry? How'd you get into this thing? I was 16 
I was a junior in high school. Um, I had kind of made friends with my pastor at the time. Um, was really trying to be a Christian. Um, I uh, went on. <clears throat> I went on a high school retreat for something else with high schoolers, uh, not from my church, but actually from a high school. Something happened there that that uh, it was it was a question a debate. And I tried to stand up for the Bible, and I, I kind of got I kind of got shot down. But it it was something that was like, man, I think I really want to defend. I, I think I really want to defend this. Hmm. And so I thought about ministry. Um, uh, talking to my pastor later, then he kind of confirmed upon me that I, I he thought I could do it. Uh, he mentored me then, and he kind of affirmed it. And the church also affirmed it, and so that was sixteen. I never really looked back. I never really doubted it. It was, uh, it was a season in my life where I just really felt like that's what God wanted me to do, and um, so I went to Bible college at Boyce College. I um, I got married there to my wife. Um, she she was right there with me. We we wanted to go into an established church and try to breathe life into it. That was back when church planting was all the rage. Nobody was doing church revitalization. They didn't have that term, I don't think. Hmm. And um, so we did. I started pastoring in a little town, a little church, and we served there for 11 years. And um, they loved us and we loved them. My kids got to a certain age in which we just felt like homeschooling wasn't the better solution, but public school was not a viable option for us. So we um, took a leap of faith and applied to a church in Heron, um, and it worked out. And that was also the hardest ministry season of our life, too, because the transition from uh, pastoring for 11 years, mm-hmm. in which I, I knew them, I knew those people there better than I knew my own family. Um, and then you go into place where you're new and you don't know anybody and you're trying to get switched from one home to the other and your kids are starting school the home you built the home we, we had built the home we moved out of that house which was just traumatic and uh so yeah probably i mean the transition of trying to get down here was just uh it was really really hard and mm-hmm. you know we talked about this this, this morning talking about living by faith and a lot of people give testimony to when they, they, they live by faith that the Lord really comes through and it takes their anxiety away. Well, it it, it does. And there are there are mountaintops where you feel that. And then there there are just a lot of other times where you you are praying and say, God, if you don't come through, man, I'm up a creek hmm. and everybody's gonna know it. And um, so, man, I don't really know what to say except as far as if I could go back in time and talk to my younger self, mm-hmm. I I don't really know what I'd say. I, I I'd probably say I'd probably tell myself don't be naive, but then I I try to give myself hope and say yeah there's gonna be some there's gonna be a lot more rough times than you expect. Yeah. And um. But um, just just keep plugging on, mm-hmm. you know, doing what you're supposed to do, um, because they they do they do let up. Yeah. So when you moved down here, and that's all helpful, and you remembered all the questions too, because I was going to go and ask them, but you did a really good job. You oh, remembered yeah. every one and answered them. I'm impressed. 
when you first moved down here, so you're moving from a congregation that you knew everybody so well, you said as well or more than family. Mm-hmm. How do you go about meeting a new congregation and meeting your people? How have you gone about that? You've been here for two years now? Yeah. Two years. So did you just start taking people out to, to coffee? Did you start yeah. inviting people over? How did you go about building relationships in the new congregation? The first thing I did is I tried to memorize everyone's name. In fact, probably the first month there, that's all I could do was just try to memorize their name and let them get to know me. Okay. Um, that was that 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 may seem kind of trivial, but that was one of the things that people would say, he remembered my name. And that's just So you're literally taking out the you know, the not manual, what's it called? Directory. You're taking the church directory or mm-hmm. you're just every, I did. Okay, you took the directory out and Yeah, and memorized everyone. In fact I tried to memorize people so well that I met a lady in Walmart and asked and tried to talk to her and didn't realize that she didn't actually go to church there anymore. Oh, wow. But she was in the directory and I knew who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are little things that show that you're really trying to love them mm-hmm. that I think really helped. Um, and then after that, you know, you just you try to get to know people. You really you just got to say, I've got to love these people. And you also have to remember that they, they are sinners. And, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that's already been written and said by pastors who maybe have gotten kind of bitter over, you know, sometimes people who want to be your friend aren't really wanting to be your friend, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and that happens in ministry and in churches too. But, um, you know, you, you, you're not in a position where you get to pick and choose who you're going to be nice to and like, you know, you, you've got to love them because, um, they they are they are the sheep who you've been called to shepherd and yeah. so you know gradually over time you you learn how to you, and you take your licks i mean that one of the things i try to do very much is i try to ch- i try to text people check on them but that's not a perfect system mm-hmm. and sometimes you forget yeah. and you get busy doing other things and then and then they come and they say you know you haven't my mom my mom was sick and you haven't asked, mm-hmm. and you know all you can do is apologize in that situation and and be sincere about it. You know, it's just say I'm I, I really am sorry, yeah. and I I'll, I'll try to do better. But you know that hurts. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff hurts. Um, and, you know, you you try to preach in a way that's engaging and good, um, but otherwise you just you just got really got to do the things that what would a loving pastor do in this yeah. situation. And um, when I when I was ordained, the guy who preached my ordination, he he preached and he says, you know, you can you can drive sheep, you can push them, uh, you can do a lot of things to them, mm-hmm. but if you love them, they will follow you wherever you go, mm-hmm. and that's I, that has proven to be true. That's good in my life. That's really good. So how have you maintained? I mean, it seems like from outside looking in, it seems like you're doing a great job for one pastoring there and and. It's neat to see, because I've known Courtney for several years, and it's mm-hmm. neat to see you being there and and the things that God is doing. How do you, with your family, because it seems like you have a great family, you guys get along and have a good time, and your, your, your kids are getting a little bit older. For you, what does family life look like? Because you, in pastoral ministry, we all work hard or should be working hard anyways and yeah. doing the work, but we obviously don't want to make the error that a lot of the previous generation made, which was work so much that they never spent time with their family. And so right. the, the, the whole PK phenomenon happened where the PK is a, a bad 
um, title given to disgruntled children of pastors, and we don't want that. Yeah. And uh, so, how, what do you guys? What's family look, life look like for the Goldmans? Uh, we do enjoy being around each other, and um, I was just talking to my wife about that after we got back from vacation. That it really is a blessing that we can drive uh, nine and a half hours driving, thirteen hours all the way down to the Gulf Coast just to go look at the ocean, but uh, and and not kill each other. You know, mm-hmm. we, we really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I have two boys and then two girls, and so it makes a nice, we, we have a nice balance in our home, and in the evening, we um, we always sit down before we go to bed, and I usually read either from the Bible or from a book. We kind of switch back and forth. Right now, we're reading through Proverbs, and uh, then we pray, and we just kind of have some time as a family to sit and chat, and sometimes we're ragging on each other, and sometimes, you know, we may be talking about something that's going on or something like that. Um, the girls are easy. Girls just want to, to hug and play, and they're still younger and sweet. The boys, um, they want to be active. So, you know, I can remember times that Valerie and I had discussions where she was saying, you know, when you're home, you need to be home. Like, mm-hmm. you really need to leave work at work. And so that's a common thing because Jordan says that to me. And yeah. that, that's for some reason, I think that for pastors, it's really. And just for men in general. I think that's a it common is. conversation, not just for pastors, but just men in general. And it's not yeah. always just like work. It's not like it's not just like administrative stuff. Sometimes you're just constantly doing sermon prep in your head. You're always mm-hmm. thinking about it, and, and it distracts you, you know. So um, we, we try to do things that you can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. like um, me and my boys play a lot of basketball in the driveway, and it's just a lot of fun. Can you, can you still beat them? Oh, yes. And okay, that's good. Never, I never let them win. If, Good, I'm glad to hear that. If they win, it they have accomplished something because okay. um, we we play 21, pick up 21, uh-huh. tip in 21, and um, you know so usually if you're gonna win, you're gonna win on a free throw, and I'm right there in their face, like mm, awesome. You're gonna look at me and miss <laughs> this free throw. So it, it's little things like that, you know. You 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 kind of gotta stay a kid a little bit with your kids, and um, so we do we do a lot of that. Um, I, I'm really, really grateful that my my kids have not become soured on ministry, having watched me uh, carry stress home. Um, and I, I I try hard on that, you know. If if that, but I'm not perfect. And if they grow up not being embittered towards church or ministry because of the of the bruises that I have received by doing it, it, it will be simply the grace and mercy of God. I, I will say that. That's good. Well, speaking of God's grace, let's let's uh, let's end with a question that I've asked a few people now, but would love to hear from you, Mark. We we're in ministry. We want to, we're pointing people to Jesus all the time, and hopefully, we love Jesus as pastors. Why do you love Jesus so much? Uh. You know, I, I, from the outward appearance, look to be like that poster child of the kid who grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and I was the sunbeam for Jesus and did everything just exactly what I was supposed to. But I know what things that I have done in my own life, and I know the thoughts that have run through my own head, and um, I, I know what wickedness, if I haven't actually committed it, I know what I'm capable of. And, um, and I... <clears throat> I, I know what it's like 
to uh, to beg and plead that God would have mercy upon me, not not just for things that I have done, but things I have neglected to do, and just because I'm just kind of an incompetent boob a lot of the times, <laughs> and you know, um, if I you know if I'm employed by Jesus, then I, I I deserve to have been fired a lot, but it's just for not being able to do a good job, and. Um, the, the mercy of Jesus Christ is uh, so magnetic that he draws you in hmm. and just, um, you know, as much as, uh, from, from the way he has been presented to me as I was a kid and, and reading the word for myself, I know, I know some people get the idea that Jesus is, you know, an angry guy from, from bad preaching, but... Not, he's never come off that way to me. He's always um, come to me as as being um, being a good friend hmm. who who loves me unconditionally. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Mark, thank you. This has been a good day, and always enjoy spending time with you. Yeah. And it's an honor to have you. Truly, is it really is, man. I appreciate it. It's an honor to have you as a board member for the Shepherd's Crook. I'm really thankful, and I'm hoping that. You and Valerie stay in Heron forever, and Jordan and I stay in Carbondale forever. That's right. And we just get to be buddies for the long haul, and we can be two, you know, 65-year-old dudes going to Cedar Lake with a kayak. That's right. You know, I'll say this, too, at the end. You know, I, I feel kind of silly being interviewed on this because you're interviewing some pretty, like, well-known guys. and uh, Well, you are an endorser of a really big book. No, I'm not. Uh <laughs> I, I'm an unknown guy, and will be for most of the rest of my life. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm content with that. I really don't want to be well known. And uh, every army is made up of generals and lieutenants, and there's guys in the trenches. And you know, my experience is the guys in the trenches are the ones who are doing most of the fighting. And um, and uh, when I, when you know, that that's that's the role I feel led to live. Uh, and that's where most pastors that's where most pastors are going to be yeah they're, they're going to be infantry in the trenches and uh, I, I just say that as an encouragement to other pastors you know um, you may never get interviewed for a podcast you may never write a book you may never um, speak at a conference for all that matter but that doesn't make that doesn't make what you do any less valuable that's good it's really good well thanks man and thank you everybody for listening Hope you will check out the website and the intensive. Consider coming, and there'll be more more information rolling out on that. And if you do come to the intensive, you're going to get a really sweet hatchet and a really cool T-shirt, and you might even get to meet Pastor Mark Goldman. Yeah, I hope. All right. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.